Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Black Women Be Well family. It's your girl, Jennifer Tomlinson, host of the Black Women Be Well podcast. And believe it or not, this is our season three premiere. (laughs) And... uh, Believe it or not, we are actually premiering prematurely. We were supposed to launch season three at the end of September, and here we are in the first week of September. We're premiering without any promotion. <laughs> no, you guys have had no um, information gearing up for the season three premiere. We've been in lockdown for a while. The studio that we usually record at on campus is closed. So we, this episode is just happening because of honestly, um, the things that are going on in the world and I can't, just can't de- delay talking to you all. And during the lockdown, I've been able to create some video content exclusively exclusively for our YouTube channel, but I have not done an official podcast episode yet. And it is very timely now for this to happen because today was the first day of a movement called hashtag scholar strike. And I could not avoid talking about it. And so this episode is very unconventional. We are not in the studio with all of the state of the art equipment. You are getting me through my phone. (laughs) Um, Usually I have a guest. Our format has always been um, in a guest interview format. Um, but this is just a solo, uh, I guess y'all just gonna get me the whole time, which I guess is okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, because of COVID, um, you know, we're just doing things a little bit differently and then more significantly because of the urgency of what's been going on. Um, I just had to, I had to record something. And so this is a result of that, but I am so glad to be here. I'm recording this to whoever's listening or going to be watching on YouTube, um, happy uh, to be back in the Black Women Be Well podcast realm. Um, I've missed recording content for you guys. YouTube has been good recording some videos and stuff, but um, I've missed my podcast family tremendously. Um, and today, like I said, is the first day of this. It's just been so crazy over the weekend, this movement um, that has just come out come out of uh, higher education called hashtag scholar strike. What is it? Hashtag scholar strike was inspired by a professor out of the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, She made a tweet about how she'd be down for doing a higher education protest um, after seeing the NBA and the other uh, other major league sports um, conglomerates uh, doing protests. Um, and just, you know, just not playing like those, like those were monumental things that I never thought I would see ever as a black American. Um, and so this uh, professor 
was also inspired and said, Hey, you know, I'd be down to, I think the tweet literally, the tweet literally said, I'd be down to doing a protest like this. And so institutions got wind of this. So you can actually Google this. There's a CNN article, a couple of different um, people that are talking about uh, the fact that institutions across America were committed to stopping work. So professors just would not teach administrators and staff would just not do their normal duties in support and solidarity of uh, police brutality against black and brown bodies, against social injustice, against racism. And so instead of working your normal job duties, you are supposed to be committed to doing social justice work. And Valencia College is the institution that I work for. I don't like to mention the name a lot on the show, uh, but it's not a secret. <laughs> I've been with them for 10 years. I was actually a student uh, many, many moons, moons ago. Um, and so I, I've been an academic advisor, so I've been staff. Um, I've been a part-time instructor in the humanities department for a number of years. Um, and now I teach full-time. Well, and actually I accepted a interim dean position. So right now I'm back into administration so I've been with the college for over 10 years and I don't think people understand how monumental it is for an institution to support something like this. It's not, it's not the same where it's just you and a group of people saying you're going to protest, but to have your institution also say, we support you. And not only do we support you, we are going to help give you some of the things that you might need just to help you strike, strike against us <laughs> and to stop our normal functioning as a college. And so I'm a part of this committee at the college called the Valencia African Heritage Committee. And there were some thoughts being tossed around on Thursday in our team's Microsoft Teams page. Um, but we had not met formally to discuss it because all of this was happening like within real time during that time. And then the next thing I knew on Friday, there was an official email from the college, from college leadership telling us that they support our strike. And I just, honestly, it's, it's been crazy to, to <laughs> 2020 has been the best and the worst, honestly, like it's been the worst for so many obvious reasons. Um, and COVID has just, you know, wreaked our society havoc. Things are not normal. Um, the way we function as a society is not normal anymore. Um, some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have lost loved ones. Um, and yet 2020 has also been like the best in the same realm of all of these horrible tragedies being played out on the television and on our smart devices. I've also never seen just solidarity and support from corporate America in this way. So like the fact that, you know, an NBA team just was like, nah, we ain't doing the playoffs like that. That's it's like, I never thought I would live to see the day. It's like tremendously monumental. And it's the same thing with this strike for my institution to say, we support you and we believe in the strike. And if, if this is what you want to do to disrupt business as usual, do it so that we can uh, raise awareness. I just never thought I would live to see it. And so um, 
One of the things that I'm really grateful for too is through this process, I'm just lucky that I've come into this new leadership position and I just so happen, thank God, to the grace of God, I have two other counterparts in the same position on different campuses who we just communicate really well. They've been extremely supportive with allowing me to onboard on this position. And when it came down to talking about this at the last minute, we had to kind of stall everything we were already doing with our normal jobs to talk and communicate. We were all on the same page. And the fact that they allowed me to make space to say, hey, let's talk about this first. How do you guys feel about this? Um, And also you have the room to say you don't agree. And if that's true for you, let's just lay it out here and let's talk. They allowed for that to happen because I'm an over communicator. I'm a collaborator. Uh, I like to talk things out. And the fact that they allowed for that to happen. And luckily, we all agreed. It was such a blessing. And um, so my two counterparts are both males. Um, and just the love and support and communication with these with 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 my counterparts has just been amazing. And so very quickly, we we're also really great workers because very quickly we figured out who we needed to talk to really quickly. And we created a communication plan for our division college wide. And our college is huge. We have nine campuses and the three deans. um, We oversee learning support on all of the campuses in partnership with also our executive deans. So we had to think about, well, what does this, what does this actually mean? What is the strike? How do we feel about it? Clear that up. And what's going to be our clear communication? And um, the fact that we were able to do that for our division. And for me as a black woman, I think was also monumental. I had to sit there and think, well, what is it that I want? What, what would I have wanted if I was a staff or professor and I'm looking for my dean or my boss for direction um, and communication? What do I need to hear? And so after we crafted the common messaging for all the campuses, I took time to write a personalized message to my dean, to my team, excuse me, specifically, and saying, here's what I think, here's what it is, and I support you. Whichever decision you make, I support you. And here's how the college has committed to supporting you. And answering those questions, anticipating their questions, answering those questions ahead of time, and making that clear. So um, it's been it's been a, a crazy weekend. And today was the first day of hashtag scholar strike. And um, I was so pumped this morning. You know, I woke up super energetic. <laughs> like, yeah, we're striking. And, you know, you're supposed to fill your day with um, work and uh, all the things to uh, to push you towards personal and professional development to push you to enter into conversations. Um, you're supposed to fill your day with all of the stuff that's supposed to help you do social justice work in solidarity. And so, um, and we're a quick college too. Over the weekend, they already crafted resources and they, our, our Valencia African Heritage Committee was able to like draft up a schedule of events. Professors and staff created stuff for us to go to. I just love my institution. I really do. I criticize us because, you know, we, we got work to do. But man, it, it really is a blessing. Honest to God, <laughs> it really is a blessing to work 
here. And so this morning I was pumped. You know, I had all my things that I wanted to do and I was excited. So I go to the first event and within an hour I'm exhausted. (laughs) The very first event is a three hour Zoom meeting um, where our black employees had the opportunity to share what it meant to be black at our institution. Um, It was hosted by a good friend of mine. You all know Rudy. He's been on the show before. And he asked black, he asked black women specifically to help amplify their voices. And I just want to shout him out, shout him out for that, because I know that he's grown with that work based on our conversation. So to to see him do that again, um, formally, I, I just, you know, always appreciate that. But man, I, I'm listening to my black counterparts and I'm, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I got emotional, um, and I was exhausted within an hour. It might not be obvious to some, but it is shocking that people don't realize how hard it is to be black in America. And so one of the women that we're sharing is a colleague of mine that I've known her for a long time. I think the whole time I've been here. At, at, at Valencia, who shares that, you know, she makes a comment that being black is traumatic. We have our students who are traumatized <laughs> and they come to us in our classrooms and in our, in our spaces, literally living a life of trauma. And the fact that we don't have anything already kind of in place to show support prior, prior to this year, you know, and it's not just Valencia as a nation, we never acknowledge the experience of black and brown people. And that that's something that we just don't do well, you know? Um, and so she made that comment that, you know, it, it is trauma. Racism is trauma. And then I've added to the chat that being black is traumatic. And so, um, hearing my, um, my black peers tell their experiences it, it, cause I'm a connector. I immediately connected with them. And I, I obviously was emotionally drained within the first session of the day. So, um, I had to, um, do some quick assessment of my feelings and luckily I've cultivated good coping mechanisms through, uh, through reflective practices and through therapy. (laughs) So I was able to, (laughs) I was able to really quickly kind of gauge, okay, well, what triggered you, Jennifer? Why are you feeling this way? And I just took a break. And then I came back for my next two events that I attended. Um, I, I just have to acknowledge, I just have to acknowledge how wonderful women are in the work for social justice work. Um, and I'm going to say this to black, brown and white alike. Women in general have always been a part of this work, a hundred percent. And I know that I try to amplify black and brown voices more, specifically black women. Y'all know this is what the platform is because we're either just not heard or when we are heard, we're misinterpreted or we're labeled, you know, aggressive, uh, whatever. But um, I just want to take a moment and just acknowledge all women, period, because I'm looking at this, this in this group chat had like 200 people in it and who do you think mostly was on there women (laughs) and I'm looking and even the white sisters I see up there and I'm like that's my ally I've seen her speak up for 
for this kind of stuff in spaces. I've seen that person challenge stuff. And you're looking at all the programming that's planned. Who do you think is planning the programming? Who could turn over programming in a weekend? Who? Women. (laughs) All the events I did today were organized and planned by women. The first event was hosted by a black male who organized the guest and he amplified black voices and they talked about the work they did. And then the rest of the events I went to were, were organized by black women, uh, well, women of color. And so I just think it's really important that we remember, um, how much women are just able somehow to work, to work under duress and particularly black women. We're just somehow able to just still do amazing work under duress. Some other things that came up for me today were um, two things. And I'm using this podcast to kind of just um, tell you about the strike. It continues tomorrow. So I'm going to do another episode tomorrow. So this is part one. Um, But also this is kind of like it's going to be my you know, my diary per se. I'm, I'm working through things. I'm learning things through this process and, um, through this experience and I'm capturing it here on the show because I think it's needed. And also, um, I just think it's, it's wonderful to share so that you guys can also hit me back up with, um, additional thoughts, things to help me think about or work through, or if you're participating in scholar strike, please share your experiences with me. Um, uh, you could, you know, tell us directly or leave a comment. Um, cause we just want to, I just want to make sure that this platform is used, um, to directly talk about this particular movement in relationship to, um, um, bringing awareness to police brutality to black and brown people. So anyways, something that I learned today that really stuck out to me was when you are a community college, You are specifically designed to serve a community, a specific population of people. And I recognize the danger of having a community college system that pulls faculty and staff from places that don't live in the area. (laughs) So how often is it that you get a good job and you move away, right? Or if you're moving and relocating for a job, how easy is it to say, well, where's the nice neighborhoods? And so me, um, like I mentioned earlier, I grew up in, I went to, I went to this college. I went to the campus that I teach on or that I work on. um, And I grew up you know, this side of town, the West side. And so you have some faculty and staff that work at our institution that is designed to serve this population that don't even live within 45 minutes from here, right? They come to work and they make sure that they live somewhere that they can drive 45 minutes away from where they work. And that's traditionally what you're taught to do. You know, you get a good job, get a nice house somewhere else, but you cannot be that disconnected from an institution that 
the the people that you're supposed to serve that you could potentially see a campus that you work on as the ghetto campus. Why? Other than the fact that you don't live in this side of town, there's nothing else ghetto about it. And the fact that they would say that on the about someone would say that about a campus that is the largest campus. It is the most state of the art because of our allied health programs and our health sciences programs. We have a functioning um, dental hygiene clinic there where students can get their teeth clean. We have um, like a premier EMS program where students, you know, use all these state of the art equipment. We have an architecture studio. We have a graphic studio. We have, and like, there's nothing ghetto about the campus. The only thing that makes it ghetto is that it serves the black side of town. The side, the side of town that I happen to live in. So when I got a job, I did not leave. All right. I'm from Pine Hills. I'm Pine Hills till I die. I tell people that I am Pine Hills royalty. I love where I grew up. I love what it made me, the person it made me become. And I love my neighborhood. Okay. I want to be able to be 10 minutes from downtown and also 10 minutes from a beef patty and a farmer's market. Like who would not love this side of town? (laughs) So something was shared earlier. Um, where, where someone was sharing that that's what they had heard someone say and that it's common to people thinking of that campus in this way. And that hurt my heart because you have out people that don't even live in the area, um, um, people that don't even live in the area making comments about the area. And this is, this is why I don't shy. I'm not shy about telling people who I am and my identities because you need to know that this is what Pine Hills looks like, Period. And there's a lot of us that look the same. We have degrees. We're great mothers. We work hard. We're well-educated. We have wonderful families, great relationships in the community. We do great things. And we live in Pine Hills. It's the same reason why I had to stop playing around and making people think I'm not poor. Let me show you what poverty looks like. Well, not poverty, but what does being poor look like? When I say I'm poor, people are like, well, don't say that poor is a mentality. No, based on the national numbers, I'm right there at the edge of poor and middle class. It's right. There's a lot. They give you a number. Y'all look it up. (laughs) They give you a number to tell you where you're in the bottom of the of the of the hierarchy, Uh, upper, middle and poor. There is a line. (laughs) It's not a mentality. It's literal, you know, but black women do such a good job hiding and covering stuff up or or trying to assimilate to make you feel comfortable that I'm in this space that you would never know what Pine Hills looks like if that's a thing you would never know what poor looks like you will never know what stress looks like because guess what I'm about to work and handle my business even though I'm going through mental health issues even though I'm stressful and so when I hear someone at my institution has made a comment about that, that hurt me to the core. That hurt me to the core. Cause how, and, cause this person is working with students. That is, this is, this is what you think about the place you work. That, that, that hit me really hard today. And I, I'm going to have to really unpack that some more, maybe some through journaling or finding someone to talk to. But um, 
you know, that's a part of this experience of being black in America where (laughs) people are just, you know, people are just going to have opinions about you based on the zip code that is attached to your, your, your name. The other thing that I'm making really strong connections about today is how much this all of this striking that we're doing and the things that we're setting up, it's so connected to student learning. And that's, that should be our guiding, our guiding force. What am I doing that I can serve my students the best? Because it's easy to personalize this stuff and make it about you. What do I need to do to be better? What do I need to do to get quick, you know, catch up with everybody else and What do I need to do to not be a racist? What do I need to do to not be, not to internalize racism? And you have all of this stuff that is easy to to stay focused on. I'm going to take all these classes for me, for me, for me. But at the end of the day, if you can't see the direct connection of what we're doing and student learning, you don't need to be in education. And you certainly shouldn't be working in a community college, period. Because if you don't see the direct connection between how this works and you becoming better should also direct, you should be mindful that it should be directly impacting the way you teach and the way you serve students and what needs to shape your pedagogy. This isn't for you. You need to pick a different industry. (laughs) Everything we're doing is so connected into helping students learn because we're creating self, we're creating safe environments We'll be more intentional about our curriculum design. We'll be thoughtful of not setting standards that are based on elite education practices. If you don't understand how this work is supposed to directly impact your students and to helping them learn, this is not, I don't know how you can't see that connection. And that's been very clear for me, a clear theme throughout the lessons today. And I'm excited to see what comes up for me tomorrow. I had an amazing, engaging conversation with a a colleague about assessment practices. And she gave me some radical, some radical thoughts. Um, So I'm going to spend a lot of time unpacking some of that. I don't know if I don't know if I could ever talk about that on the show uh, until I really unpack it. But if it opens up some more stuff for me tomorrow, I'll definitely talk about that. But I have a lot of reflection to do uh, and I'm excited, um, but I'm also really exhausted. I'm tired. So once I'm done editing this, I'm going to go to sleep and hopefully find the energy to come back and strike again tomorrow. Um, Anyways, thank you for tuning in to the premiere of season three. It is unconventional. I hope you lasted the entire time of me talking. (laughs) Um, If you've lasted this long, I really hope that you uh, share this with a friend. Please, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and click the notification button. Leave a comment below too about your thoughts about hashtag scholar strike. If you are participating, tell me what you're doing, what college you're coming from. If you're a colleague, tell me what you think about the episode or what you're thinking about with the strike. If you're listening on the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. We're on all platforms. And just always thank you for listening to a a black woman. (laughs) 
<laughs> share her thoughts, her expertise, and her perspective. I appreciate it. Y'all be well. Love y'all. Oh my God, you guys, I almost forgot to say this. If you like the background music being played, it is new music. Uh, we have personalized lo-fi hip-hop music for the podcast produced by Eclipse. I am going to leave his contact stuff in the comments area. Please show some love to him. Follow him on Spotify, all those music different music platforms you can follow them uh, him on youtube as well also a big shout out to the all my homies family for helping set that up their information will be included as well please show them love and just thank you for these wonderful tunes you know i love y'all so um yeah if you like the music you know leave a comment or whatever <laughs> all right Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.